hallelujah, hallelujah, O Lord, we sing your praise. And we also know that our hallelujahs can be cold and broken. Nonetheless, through the darkness of this life, we trust that you are God. That nothing can separate us from your love and that you speak to us. You are the God of the living. Today as much as any other day. Speak, we pray. May we have the hearts and the ears to listen. Amen. Every cradle asks whence, and every coffin asks whither. Every cradle asks whence, and every coffin asks whither. I heard these words spoken by the poet, writer, and professional undertaker, Thomas Lynch, in a recent interview about how we North Americans deal or avoid dealing with the subject of death. Every new life seems to beg the question as to where we come from, whence, and every death seems to beg the question as to where we go when we die, whither. Every cradle asks whence and every coffin, whither. These two questions remain deeply important for most people alive in the world today and most people throughout human history. Whence do we come from and whither do we go? And at first glance, anyway, our scripture story looks like a debate about the latter question. Whither do we go? What happens when we die? Some Sadducees, says this morning's passage from the Good News According to Luke, some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question. The Sadducees are one of the main groups we find opposed to Jesus' ministry in the New Testament. These guys are aristocrats. They come from a long line of priests, and they have political connections, especially with the Roman occupiers. And they don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. This is what the text tells us. But Jesus, along with other Jewish groups like the Pharisees and the Essenes, teaches about the resurrection. He believes in it, but the Sadducees don't. Like us, intelligent, modern people, they find the idea laughable. Unlike us, though, who see the resurrection as a part of an outdated worldview, they are the biblical literalists of their day only accepting the stuff that's supposed to be written by Moses in the first five books of the Bible. And of course, resurrection only shows up in some of the newer parts of the Old Testament in the book of Daniel. So where we might dismiss resurrection today as an ancient superstition, the Sadducees see it as a newfangled superstition. Whence do we go? For the Sadducees, the answer is clearly nowhere. When you die, you die. That's it. And so the Sadducees set out to prove just how ridiculous this idea of resurrection is by poking fun at it and poking holes in its logic. 
So they conjure up a scenario. Teacher, they ask Jesus, Moses writes for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up the children of his brother. This is what Moses teaches in the book of Deuteronomy. A woman's husband dies, she has to marry her brother. I don't know how Cheyenne would feel if I died and she had to marry my brother. We tried living with him in our house for a while and that didn't work out. But marrying him, that would be another thing. Different culture, different society, though. It's all about security. It's about pure economics, because uh, if you're a woman, like actually many, in many places in our world, without someone who is authorized to make money or to make a living, uh, you have no way to sustain yourself. Okay, so he moves along. and The Sadducees say, let's say there are seven brothers. The first marries, then dies, no babies. Second marries her, same thing. Dies, no babies. No, sorry, the logic's a little bad there, but you get where I'm going. Anyway, I added the first person dying, and then, anyway. Um, then the, so the, third, the third brother marries her, and then the same thing again. Dies, no babies, then the fourth, then the fifth, then the sixth, and then the seventh, bad luck, bad genes, who's to say? Finally, the woman dies. Seven husbands, no babies. In the resurrection, they asked Jesus, in the resurrection, whose wife will that woman be? You can only be married to one person at a time. So whose wife will that woman be? After all, she had seven of them. If a woman marries brother after brother who dies and has no children, then she dies. Who's the lucky man in the resurrection? Resurrection day is going to be an awkward day, <laughs> at least for these seven husbands. It all sounds silly, of course. They expect Jesus has an answer to everything. They see Jesus as a kind of fortune teller or psychic who has the future all planned out, what every single little detail will be, or that he came to deliver details. It sounds silly, but isn't this the way we think about spirituality, religion, faith traditions, whatever phrase you want to use for it? That they are there to provide us with explanations, here to provide us with blueprints, to how the universe works, the things that we have unanswered, God just comes in and fills the gaps as the answer. I mean, how many books are there out there where people have had near-death experiences then come back to report what heaven's like? The book Heaven is for Real, for example, which you can find in the St. George's Library, is the report of a three-year-old boy's near-death experience where he supposedly describes what heaven is like. This book has sold 10 million copies. We have a deep yearning to know what's on the other side of death. This is what we think religion is all about. We think of it as an answer to certain questions. Is there a heaven? What's it like? 
Will I be my 20-year-old self? Or my 40-year-old self? Or my 60-year-old self? Do I get to choose? Will my cat Snowball be here? I mean, it's true. I mean, these are questions that we have a hunger to answer. I mean, this is sort of what the, fair, or the, the, the Sadducees are saying. So if you had eight favorite cats in your life, which would be your favorite cat in heaven? This is what the Sadducees think Jesus is up to. They think he's up to speculation. They expect that he's there to offer up a blueprint to life and death, a clear answer to the question, whither do we go? Whither do we go? But I wonder if we've got religion, spirituality, faith traditions wrong, or at least Christianity wrong, the way of Jesus Christ, when we think of it as a system of explanation or an answer to the unanswerable. Because when Jesus replies, he doesn't respond in kind, he doesn't offer whole new answers, he doesn't say, well, in the resurrection, husband A will have every second weekend, husband B will have the summer break, and husband C will have all the major holidays like Passover, Yom Kippur. No. Jesus responds like this. Those belong to this age, he says, here and now. They marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of that age, that future, in the resurrection of the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. You see, for the ancients, marriage was all about procreation, having babies and continuing the family line. And there's no need for that if there's no death. Jesus kind of gives them a jab right back. Like the Apostle Paul who says in 1 Corinthians 15 that right now in this life we see through a glass darkly that death and life after it is, an ultimate, is ultimately a mystery. Kind of looking at it through sunglasses at night. One we can only scratch the surface of the age to come that Jesus describes is a transformation which doesn't fit into any of our old ways of thinking. In teaching the resurrection, God's future, full life with God beyond this life, Jesus doesn't offer a simple answer or an explanation. He doesn't offer an easy-to-digest pamphlet or program, unfortunately. Because if there's life beyond death, it's nothing like the life we experience now. It's beyond our speculation. We see wither through a glass darkly. And speculation or not, though, Jesus still teaches about the resurrection of the dead. 
The Apostles' Creed, which we say every second Sunday here, says, I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. And our own beloved United Church of Canada's new creed from the 1960s says, it begins with, we are not alone first, and it ends with, in life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. So the resurrection of Jesus is at the heart of Christian faith. That Jesus who underwent death was somehow raised to new life. And this is the reason that we believe that somehow there is a possibility for a life that goes on even beyond the obvious point of death. This is why we believe there is hope. But here's the thing. Jesus holds this hope, as we do, but he doesn't build it on speculation or airtight evidence. He doesn't build it on common sense or all the best-selling books in the world. Well, you could say the Bible's the best-selling books in the wor- book in the world. He builds it on the best-selling book in the world. <laughs> all the other ones. <laughs> The fact that the dead are raised, Jesus says, Moses himself showed in the story about the burning bush, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, he is God not of the dead, but of the living, for to him all of them are alive. If you remember, in the Old Testament, God speaks to Moses through a bush that is on fire. And God identifies herself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, what Jesus says does nothing to prove evidence for the resurrection of the dead, but Jesus is saying that the unbreakable relationship that God had established with each one of these people is the proof that he has been so faithful to these people in life, the promise, the relationship so strong and unbreakable that it penetrates even the darkness of the grave. To God, they are alive. It extends to them in death. God extends to them in death. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Resurrection is all about God. Resurrection is all about God in the end, and who God is, and what God's love is capable of. It's not about us having a blueprint for the future. It's not a theory or an explanation. It's not about us having faith in the immortality of the soul or even that there is a better place when we die. Those things may be true, but resurrection is not about that. Resurrection in the end is all about God and the power of God's love. This is what we believe we have seen in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. God is a determined lover who will not let the beloved go. God's measureless love that will not be broken by death 
will not be confounded by human systems, will not be destroyed by the pangs of sorrow or by the sands of time. That whatever happens to us when we die is an ultimate mystery, but we believe in the resurrection because we believe in a God whose power for life cannot be stopped. and will ultimately win out over every other fallen power in this world and even over the power of death. And you know, just uh, off script a little bit here, that when I went to visit Cliff for the very last time, this past Wednesday, I had this awkward moment which I'm sure some of you may have had before, that when you're leaving someone's home, when you know that they're going to die, what do you say? I always say, see you later. Right? But somehow I didn't think that it fit for that time. Because no matter our faith and the conviction of the resurrection, death is real, death is painful, death causes grief, we actually die, and we lose the relationship with those in our lives who we love. To say something like, eh, resurrection, don't worry about it doesn't do justice to death. So I said to him, as I was leaving, I said to him, I'll see you again if I don't see you between now and Friday, Cliff. I said, I will see you again one day. One day. And he looked back at me and he said, one day. This is a conviction that we have that isn't an answer to something, but it is a beautiful promise made by God. That nothing can separate us from the love of God. Neither heights nor depth nor angels above, nor powers, nor principalities, nor even death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That this is a beautiful promise that was made and continues to be made by God, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Whither do we go? I don't know, but I trust that I am in God's good keeping. That we're all in God's good keeping. That the whole creation is in God's good keeping. That's what we mean when we say, I believe in the resurrection of the dead. So whither do we go? 
whither do we go? Even though we go down to the dust, we shall sing God's praise. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, of Miriam, and Moses, the God of new life, the God of second chances, the God whose love penetrates and brings light even to death, the God we meet in Jesus Christ. We believe in the resurrection not because we have the answer to the question, but because our God is a God of the living and not of the dead. Our God is a God of the living and not the dead. In life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen.